Well, if you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful today for how good you are to us. Thankful, Lord, that you are a faithful God. Thankful, Lord, that you never fail, uh, that, that you're always working, that you're always moving, that we always have a reason to praise. And now, Lord, as we dive into your word today, we ask that you would open up our understanding, that you would plant your seed on the inside of our hearts, and we ask in Jesus' name that it would bring forth fruit to the glory of God. And may you be honored by our life and by our praise. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to read uh, verses 3 through 6. I really could probably read the entire first chapter of Ephesians, but we'll read to verse 6. Uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved. I want to share a message with you this morning that I've entitled, The Blessing of Being Loved. Um, Love is a powerful thing. Um, Celine Dion said there's the power of love, and so did Huey Lewis. Huey Lewis and Celine Dion, the power of love. Um, We do know that love is a powerful thing. We know that we all, if we're all honest, we all want to be loved. We all want to love somebody. Uh, A lot of our favorite songs are love songs, right? Most of you know, how many of you have your song, your love song, if you're a a couple? Some of you are like, eh, don't give a dang. Some of you don't want to admit it, but yeah, you have a love song, right? The one that comes on and it reminds you of, you know, maybe the first time y'all met or the dance or whatever, what was sung at your wedding, Uh, but it's always some mushy thing, you know, we like love songs, right? We, we, we like to listen to love songs. A lot of our favorite movies, a lot of our favorite books, a romance, they're love stories, right? We like romantic comedies, don't we? Don't we all feel warm and fuzzy? Everybody's in love and everybody loves each other. It always ends up well, right? You're watching a movie and you're like, this is not realistic. This is not life. This is not how it works. Uh, don't get me wrong, I believe in being in love, I believe in romance, I believe that, that, that you can deeply and, and wholeheartedly love someone, uh, but we always know that everything doesn't always work out the way we thought it was, it doesn't always pop up posies, they're not always beautiful, he's not always good looking, we understand that, but we do like love stories, we like, we like movies that, that do this, there are multiple online sites that are meant to help us find the perfect person that we can fall in love with. E-Harmony, Chemistry, Farmers.com. <laughs> There's always some place for us to be able to find love. They're always trying to hook us up. How many of you have, those of you who are single, how many of you have friends? They're always trying to, you don't have to raise your hand. You always have friends that are trying to hook you up. Oh, you got to meet this guy. Oh, you got to meet this girl, right? Um, I mean, I'll be honest with you, in Christian circles, there is a lot of pressure, lots of times put on people, you know, you're supposed to be with somebody, you're supposed to get married, you're supposed to have 72 kids, um, and, and, and so we, we, we put a lot of pressure on, on one another to do things like that, 
The desire to be loved can make us make goofy decisions. Uh, there are a lot of people that I've seen that have just made dumb decisions because they were, quote, in love, right? They end up with the wrong person because they're in love. They end up going in the wrong direction because they're in love. Come on, some of y'all can testify, right? Some of y'all can testify about the fact that you've maybe been in relationships that started out a certain way, and then you get so far in, and you find out they're not who I thought they were, right? Some of y'all, are, your theme song is Garth Brooks's song, I Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. We've all been there, we've, we've, we've all, we've, I mean, Lord, we've, we've had friends that we thought we could trust, and then they, they stab us in the back, right? We do goofy things when we're in love. We say goofy things, right? Uh, we go places that we wouldn't normally go when we're in love. Um, and sometimes there are folks that will even compromise their standards just simply so they can get the attention of somebody else. I like how it feels to be noticed. I like how it feels to be flirted with. I like how it feels to be, to be told something. And so we will compromise our standards lots of times just to grab the attention of somebody else. The problem is, is that love gets distorted by our fallen natures. I mean, let's be honest with you, with each other. Let's, how many of you love the beach? Come on. All right. How many of you love steak? How many of you love pizza? How many of you love cookies? How many of you love your spouse? Some of you hesitated a little bit on that. When I said pizza, some of you fell out of the pew. We distort what love is. Baby, I love you like pizza. But I'd leave you for the beach. A love gets distorted by our fallen natures. The world likes to define love purely from the physical or sexual desire. I mean, let's be honest, most modern love songs have more to do with sex than, or lust than it, or physical attraction than it really does uh, about love or even what love really means. Or we diminish the power of love by reducing it to nothing more than a feeling or butterflies in our stomach. Um, you know, they make me feel a certain way when I'm around them. They make me feel a certain way. And then when we no longer feel that way, then that means we no longer love. Because we've reduced love to some type of physical chemistry. Or we've reduced love to some type of physical attraction. Or we've reduced love to some type of feeling in our heart. And it's not just for that significant other. Every relationship that we're involved in, many times, we will distort what love looks like based upon it ends up becoming more of a selfish thing than it becomes sacrificial, which is really the true meaning of love. If there is no sacrifice, then there really isn't any love. And we all know that if we're going to truly love someone, whether it's a friend or a, a significant other or, 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 some, or a family member, there are times we have to make sacrifices. There are times that it's no longer about us. There's times that we have to put the other person first. There's times that we have to look past faults and we have to love people anyway. We have to, we have to reach to them and, and care about them and lay down what we think is right or wrong in order to sacrificially give of ourselves to love because love cannot be reduced to just a feeling. It cannot be just reduced to someone who makes us feel good or someone who makes us smile or someone who makes us happy. 
And love is more than a, a feeling in the sense that love in and of itself is a choice. We choose to love. We don't choose to wait on a feeling to love. We choose to love. It is only in God that we truly find the, the greatest definition of what love is. For a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that God is what? God is love. What's that mean? That means that love is his nature. When he acts, he acts in love. There's nothing that God does that he does not do in love because God is love. And so as the world searches for love in all the wrong places, God offers his love for us in a way that can never be experienced in the world. It is a deeper, greater, more beautiful and more satisfying love than anything you can know in this life. This love is the source of all blessing. Blessings that fulfill the greatest desires of our hearts. So no matter what you're searching for here this morning, if you're wanting to be wanted, God wants you. If you're wanting to be noticed, God notices you. If you're wanting to be accepted, God accepts you. If you're in this place searching for something to fill the emptiness of your soul, may I introduce you to a God who is committed to loving you in the middle of your hurt, in your mistakes, your mess-ups, all of your problems. May I introduce you to a God that loves you so much that he wrapped himself in human flesh and came and died on a cross to redeem us from our sin. May I introduce you to a God that's not mad at you, that's not against you, but a God that's for you, that loves you, that wants to encourage you and lift you up. I need that love. I need his love. Ephesians is a book that is really about the blessings of Christ. Most people say that Romans is the constitution of the New Testament. Ephesians really is just Romans condensed. There's a lot of theology in in, in Ephesians, but there's a lot of practicality in this book about God's grace and, and, and how he has redeemed us and made us into new people. So we start out doctrinally, like in the first three chapters, describing to us the beauty of God's grace, the wonder of His mercy, how He has redeemed us and set us free. And in the last three chapters of Ephesians, we see the practicality of living out what that means, that now we, that we've been made new creatures, now that our lives have been changed because we've experienced the mercy and the love and the grace of God, what does it look like to live a life that is being loved by God? It's, it's, it points us to the blessing of God's love that he has literally lavished on us because of Jesus Christ. This passage begins to point us to the blessings that are found in being loved by this amazing, redeeming God. Now, I know that this is one of the most simple messages that you can hear, but this is the message of the gospel, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whether we want to admit it or not, all of us are looking to be loved. All of us are looking for someone to love. And our hearts many times wonder and fall short and come up empty and get hurt and become heartbroken because we don't start with the source of the greatest love, which is God himself. Paul begins with praise. Praise to the God who is the source of all blessing. Let us not forget, church, who is the source of every good thing in our lives. 
Let us not forget that every blessing, every good day, every good thing that is happening in our life is a result of the work of a God who is absolutely committed to us. We, we, you know, it, we, we preach many times about making a commitment to Christ, about making a commitment to God, about living fully for Him. And somebody might even say, you know, I just feel like I don't love God enough. And the problem isn't that you don't love God enough. You just don't understand how much God loves you. The Bible tells me that I love Him. Why? Because He first loved me. I couldn't even love. I couldn't even love Him back until He first lavished His love upon my life. And it's not that I need to love God more. I just need to understand how much God loves me. Because once I understand how much God loves me, it translates into loving Him. Because of His great love for us, the Bible tells us God blesses us, that He wants to bless us. It actually says in this passage that it is according to His good pleasure. It is God's good pleasure to bless you. You are a walking blessing. You are to walk in the favor of God. Deuteronomy chapter 28 says that you are blessed coming in and you are blessed going out. That you are not the tail, you are the head. That you are above and not beneath. The Bible tells us that when you walk obediently and in the favor of God, that the blessings of God literally overtake you. You can't even outrun the blessings of God. You can't even outrun the favor of God. You're blessed and you can't even help it. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Our first purpose as believers is to simply be loved. Our first purpose as believers is just let God love us. To simply be loved by God and to enjoy his blessings. That is our first purpose in life. No matter what you feel like you are called to do, no matter who you feel like you are or where God is sending you, your first purpose is to just be loved. To just be loved by God and enjoy his blessings. And the Bible tells us here that he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. We should be grateful for every material and earthly blessing that is a result of God's favor. I believe that my God supplies all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I believe that every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights and whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. I believe that, every, that God has consistently shown me favor wherever I have worked, wherever I have been. That God has gotten me through situations that I shouldn't have gotten through. He has blessed my life. I'm grateful that God has placed me, that God has placed people in my life that have been there, that have prayed for me, that have given to me, that have fed me. I'm blessed. I'm grateful that God got me through. You don't know how many times I prayed in tongues during tests in college because I didn't know. God, give me a revelation. Is it A, B, C, or D? I promise you, if you read your Bible and you pray, God will make you look smarter than you are. Some of us are dumb because we just don't read our Bible. 
He'll make us wise. He blesses our life. We should be grateful for every material blessing. When I pray with the kids, we thank God for our house and our clothes and the food that we eat. We're grateful. But even greater still is the spiritual blessings that originate from the beauty of heaven itself. A life that has been transformed. A heart that has been changed. An inheritance of peace and joy. A supernatural power that we might live victoriously over the enemy, over sin, over the world. The refuge of his mercy. The favor of his unending grace. The eternal reward of heaven. Every spiritual blessing God not only blesses us but desires to bless us with. There's too much to mention. It's too deep to fathom. We don't get excited enough about it because we don't recognize the beauty of it. The great love of God has blessed us beyond anything we deserve or anything we have ever merited. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at at verse 1, the Bible says, And you hath he quickened or made alive, and who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Look at who we were. At who we are without Jesus. Dead in our trespasses and sins. We walked under the influence of the world, under the influence of the devil himself. We were children of disobedience, fulfilling the desire of the flesh and of the mind. We were by nature, by nature, the children of wrath. We were by nature, our inheritance was wrath. Because of the disobedience of our hearts, but God. Dad preached a sermon called But God years ago that goes down in history. But God. When God intervenes, church, everything changes. When God's love is revealed, the whole course of our life is radically transformed. Rich in mercy, the Bible says. Full of love. We are now alive, raised, seated with him in heavenly places. And this love is so amazing, so deep, so beautiful, that it will take the ages to come to reveal how exceedingly great it is. Paul said, for the ages to come, we'll be talking about the exceeding riches of his kindness towards us. It will take all of eternity for us to see the riches of his grace and the kindness that God has shown us and wants to show us. One of the reasons we do not recognize the joy that is found in the love of God is that we have not recognized what he has redeemed us from. When we don't recognize what we have come from, 
when we don't see the depth of our sin and what sin does to us. The cross is a revelation of love and wrath. It's a revelation of God's love being revealed as Christ dies on the cross for our sins, but it is a revelation of the wrath of God as he took upon himself our punishment. And that punishment brought us peace. And because of God's love, it was a place of judgment so that we could stand before God righteous. Rejoice in the love of God, church. Celebrate the fact that he loves you. He has rescued us from a broken heart, from a hopeless condition. He has rescued us and made us his own. And let us not forget why we have these blessings. They are in Christ. Because we are in him, every spiritual blessing, every good thing comes as a result, not of who we are, but because of what Jesus has done. Because of what the cross and the resurrection means. That we live blessed and highly favored because of the cross of Jesus Christ. And because we are in him, God no longer sees us in our brokenness, and in our sinful nature. God now sees us through Jesus Christ. He sees us through the blood of Christ. Verse 7 of this first chapter says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. There's nobody in here today that's going to heaven because you're good enough. There's nobody in here going to heaven because you're good looking enough. I can promise you that. There's none of us going to heaven in here because we've done enough good deeds, because we put enough money in the offering tray, because we went to church enough times. That, that's not how we're getting there. We have redemption through his blood. We have redemption through his blood. And the only way into the blessings of God is in Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He's our only way to the Father. But once we are in Him, once we are in Him, I'm lost in Him. My identity is wrapped up in Him. I am not judged because He was judged for me. That's the love of God. There is joyful blessings in being loved. There's four things I want to point out that mainly we see from this passage of Scripture. There's so many other things that we could talk about when it comes to the blessings of being loved. But I want us to just look at this passage of Scripture here. That Paul reveals to us the wonderful working of God's love. Number one, we are chosen. We are chosen. There's something very powerful about being chosen. I've shared with you before. There's been times that I've been the first one picked and I've been the last one picked. Y'all ever felt that way? You ever seen that happen? You ever, been, you ever been the one where they're like, I want that one? And you're like, yeah. And then you're the guy that's standing there and they're like, I got Mark. Because he's the only one left. You know what it feels like when you're chosen. You know, one of the, one of the, thing, one of the good things about having an older brother as I was growing up, we'd play basketball almost every day. Every day. Basketball, wiffle ball, football. Rick was involved in some of those games. He was a little bit too much old, too older for us, but you know. Um, but I did. I played. I mean, I played pickup football down at the park with. I mean, 
I was like 10, and these guys were like 20. We're out there slinging each other around. I got hit by a line drive baseball by Robbie Lacey that knocked me out cold. But one of the good things about having an older brother, man, we'd go play basketball, and it didn't matter. Steve almost always was a captain. He always picked me first. I wasn't the best kid on the playground. Wasn't even close. You know, look at me. I was that tall. I mean, I was Avery, but Avery's better than I am now. But he always picked me first. And you know what, the, you know what it feels like to have that reality that I'm chosen, I'm picked. And some of you have felt like you've been picked, you've been passed over. But you've been left out. There's some of you that, are, that can sit in a crowd of people and still feel alone. There's some of you that are married and still feel alone. You find yourself in a place where you don't feel like you matter. But I want you to know something. <laughs> because of Jesus Christ, God picked you. He chose you. And you know what that means? He wants you. You know, it's nice to be needed. But it's even more wonderful to be wanted. And that's what love does. It doesn't just need you. It wants you. It chooses you. It picks you. It says, you're mine. And the Bible tells me that God not only says, you're mine, but he's engraved your name on the palm of his hand. God has literally tattooed your name on the palm of his hand. You're mine, he says. No one can touch you. No matter who rejects you, no matter who hurts you, no matter who betrays you, God has chosen you. And when did he choose you? When did he choose you? When you got it all together? When did he choose you? When, when you put enough money in the offering tray? When did he choose you? When did he, when did he choose you? When you, when, you got, when you started living right? When you quit cussing? When did, it, when did it happen? He chose you before the foundation of the world. I don't always understand the sovereignty of God as, as, as it relates to the responsibility of man. I believe I am responsible for who I am and the decisions that I make. But I also believe that salvation is totally of God. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I, I chose you. You think that you made a decision for Christ. Decisions are what you make at McDonald's. Right? It wasn't just a decision that was made. He chose us. He picked me. He could have passed me over because I deserve to be passed over. But he chose me anyway. So if you feel left out today, you're chosen. Number two. The joyful blessing of being loved is revealed in here that we are holy and blameless. Now what, to me, what is awesome about that passage of Scripture is that we recognize that holiness is a result not of me trying to keep a bunch of rules or not a part of me trying to clean up my act. Like, I get it. There's certain aspects of holiness that are seen from the outside, Right? There's certain aspects of sanctification that are seen by how we live, how we talk, the attitude that we have, even the clothing that we wear. There is a certain distinction for holy, sanctified people. 
that is different than the world. But we look at holiness many times as that, that set of rules that says if you follow them, then now you're made holy. But that's not what the Bible says about love or about holiness. What the Bible says about holiness is that it's a product of grace. That holiness is a reaction of humbleness. That as the heart is humbled and grace is bestowed, favor is bestowed, it produces a heart that desires to live holy. And when God's love captures our life, it places in us a desire to be holy. If we don't desire to live holy, it might be because we haven't recognized the wonder and the greatness of God's love. Listen, if if you're in love, if you love someone, it's not hard for you to want to do what it takes to please them, to make them happy. If you love someone, you live your life in a way in which you want to honor them. You want to give of yourself to them. You don't have to be prodded. Right? We shouldn't have to have Valentine's Day or an anniversary Our friends shouldn't have to call us when they're going through hard times for us to finally care. We are holy and blameless. And that's what I think is so awesome because many times holiness and guilty always go hand in hand. When we talk about holiness, we feel guilty. When we preach about living right, we feel guilty. And then we have all the other expectations that we put upon ourselves that God doesn't. That's the problem with trying to live holy by rules. We put expectations on ourselves that we're not supposed to even fulfill. We're more worried about what the person in the pew thinks about us than we are about what God thinks about us. And so most of the time when we talk about holiness, we associate it with guilt. But that's not what Paul associates it with. He associates it with blamelessness. He associates it not with shame. Not with guilt, but with confident freedom. That because God loves us, we are confident that we can stand before Him righteous and holy and loved by Him. Chosen by Him. Man, your past is a mess, folks. I know it is. If you were to tell your story, our jaws might hit the floor. So keep it to yourself. I don't have to know your story. You know why? Because God does. God knows your story. God knows all your demons and all your dark places. God knows all your bad decisions. He knows what sin you've committed this week. He knows your broken places. He knows where you've been. He has seen your hurt and your darkness. But yet, because of his love, still declares, you are holy. You are blameless. There's confidence in knowing that I'm holy and blameless. Not because of what I've done, but because of what He has done. Number three, Paul says we are adopted as children. This goes, this goes together with being chosen, but we are adopted as children. Now, during this time, a Roman adoption, if you were adopted within the Roman Empire, it was a very, very powerful thing. Many times your name was changed. When you were adopted, you took on all the same inheritances as the 
uh, birth children. You, you received all of the same blessings. Uh, all, you, you were in the line. You picked up the person's name. Not only that, your old name was removed. And any past failures, mistakes, bankruptcies, debts that you owed were erased because you were adopted into a brand new family. When you got adopted, you became a new person. And this is the context in which Paul thinks. Adoption is a beautiful thing in which people make the choice to accept someone into their family. They make the choice to receive someone into their home. They go through all the steps and spend all the money and pour out all their heart to adopt and make them one of the family. I want you to know here this morning, you are not a stepchild. You're not second. You're not the middle child that everybody forgets about. Some of you wish you were the youngest. You're not the one that, you're not the, you're not the child that the parents forgot. You're not the child that the parent didn't want. You're not the child that, that was abused by someone you thought you could love. In Christ Jesus, you are his child. You belong to him. He is committed to you and committed to you growing and committed to you being transformed and committed to you being blessed. Martin Luther, the great reformer, a, a deep theologian, had, he had his own issues. If you read Martin Luther, he, he had some, some problems. He had some spiritual issues that he had to deal with. But one of the things that he struggled with for most of his life was seeing God as father. Because his dad was an abusive dad. And because his father was abusive, that is what was associated to him with the name father. Abuse. Neglect. And so for him to say, our father which art in heaven, was a hard thing for him to handle. And it wasn't until he received the revelation of the beauty of God's love. That even in the failures of what you run into on planet earth, there is a God... A father who never fails, who is always perfect, that that loves you more than you'll ever imagine, and whose love can break through into the depths of your soul. That when you're alone and when you feel like you're alone, he is the one who loves you more than anything else. The Bible says that he's a father to the orphan. He's a husband to the widow. He can be your best friend. And love you in ways that you never thought you could because he has chosen to adopt you. This is the blessing of being loved. And finally, number four, accepted by God. Accepted by God. You know, there's a lot of things, a lot of requirements many times in life for us to be accepted into something. Right? I'm not going to make the Hall of Fame in any sport, right? I'm not going to make the Hall of Fame. Now, I did make the National Junior Honor Society. I made the Honor Society when I was in high school. I was a pretty smart kid. But I may have told you all, we were in, I can't even remember what they all are, but there, used to, there were five pillars of the Honor Society. Um, one was leadership, 
one was service, one was, I don't know. I don't know if anybody remembers. But anyway, there was five pillars. In my eighth grade year, or ninth grade year, I can't remember, we were getting ready to induct eighth graders. It was our ninth grade year. We were going to induct eighth graders into the National Junior Honor Society. There was only five of us at that time that were in the Honor Society. So each one of us were supposed to give like a little short speech at the induction, just, just a, a small three-minute speech about one of the pillars. I may have shared that with, with you, but the, the teacher that was over the Honor Society didn't like me. I don't know why. She didn't care for me much. And so she's going through the pillars and she's telling each person, I'm giving, Caleb, I'm giving you this because you're blah, blah, blah. You know, and I, I'm, I'm going to give you this, Kenzie, because you're blah, 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 blah. Went through this whole speech. And then she got to me and she said, Mark, I'm giving you character because it's the only one that's left. I feel honored. <laughs> you know, many times we spend our whole life trying to be accepted. You know, for a matter of fact, most, <clears throat> most teenagers, as, as we're growing up, we think that we choose our friends, but in reality, our friends choose us. We are acceptance magnets. We are drawn to the people who accept us. We are drawn to the people who accept us as we are. So we find people that like things that we like or act or dress the way we dress. I, I, like I said Wednesday night, I, I, there, I, being in youth ministry for, for 10 to 15 years, I've, I've seen a lot of kids come through. And I, you'll have kids that will say stuff like, you know, I hate country music. You know, and then they'll start hanging around with these kids that like country music. And like a month later, they show up at youth with a cowboy hat on and boots with spurs that jingle, jangle, jingle. I'm like, I thought you hated country. Oh, no. I've been a country fan way back. Why? Because they got accepted. They got accepted. They were accepted by someone. They said, you can come into our crowd. And many times as we're growing up, even as we get older, we feel like we're on the outside. Like we walk up to a group of people and all of a sudden the conversation changes. You, you ever seen somebody in a circle, a group of people in a circle and you just kind of stand on the outside? Can I, can I talk? Can I be a part? Am I not turtly enough for your turtle club? Can I not be a part? Can I not be accepted? Do you not want me in? Why won't you let me in? You know, the same teacher that didn't care for me there was, a, there was a fight that was taking place on the second floor at the junior high, and so we all decided to put a circle around it so none of the teachers should get in, could get in. So we all made a circle. Well, she was, she had some muscles. And she came barreling through there and just flattened about 20 students <laughs> and grabbed both of them by one hand. <laughs> like, that didn't work. We're consistently in life trying to break through walls that are being built, trying to break through things, trying to get accepted. If I can just get to this level, if I can just get with these people, if they'll just accept me. And not being accepted many times is what strips us of confidence. It keeps us from feeling like that we can be who we're supposed to be. 
And I want you to know here this morning that God has accepted you. Not because you have the qualifications. Not because your resume is good enough. But because he loves you. Because the cross of Jesus Christ, because of his blood, he says you're accepted. And you know what that does? It erases insecurity. I no longer have to wonder, is God for me? I no longer have to wonder, does God love me? I no longer have to wonder, does God want to bless me? I don't have to question how he feels about me. I don't have to question whether his plans for me are good. Or the thoughts that he thinks towards me are good. I don't have that insecurity. I don't have to wonder, is he going to be unfaithful to me? Is he going to leave me behind? Is he going to leave me out? Is he going to make me feel like you're just a number? I don't have to feel that type of insecurity. There's security in love. There's security in being love. And you can see it in the lives of children. When children are loved, you see confidence. When children are loved, you see them producing. But when they feel rejected, when they feel left out, is when they start reaching and acting out. Love produces security. And the Bible tells me that perfect love casts out fear. I no longer have to be afraid of where I stand with God or what God is doing in my life. I don't have to be afraid of what the future holds, and I don't have to be afraid of the hauntings of my past because God loves me. And because he loves me, he has accepted me. And the Bible says he has accepted me in the beloved. Now, the King James Version does not capitalize that word, but what that passage is talking about, he has accepted us in his beloved son. He has accepted us in the beloved. How great it is to know, how secure it is to know that I am accepted by the God of the universe. I don't know where you are here this morning, and I don't know what pain you've been through. There may be some of you in here that's been abused, wounded. There may be some of you in here that you've, you've gone through broken relationships, broken friendships. You felt rejected, you felt left out. You felt like the one on the, the lower end. And I want you to know here this morning, God loves you. And God wants you to know his grace. And God doesn't want you to stay in your pain or your hurt. But today, you can know a God who wants the best for your life and live it in confidence. Bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for your amazing love. Thank you so much for your amazing grace. Thank you so much for your rich, unending mercy. God, I'm, I'm grateful that today I can stand up here and talk about the love of God. Not because I am deserving or I'm talented or gifted enough. But simply because you love me. Lord, I'm grateful in Jesus' name. That even when I've been faithless, you've been faithful still. I'm thankful, Lord, that even when I have sinned, 
you are the one that we can confess our sins to and that you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And so I ask this morning, Lord, that you would give us a revelation of that love. I pray as Paul prayed that you would give unto us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we might know what is the hope of your calling and what is the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints. An inheritance of love, an inheritance of mercy, an inheritance of grace. Lord, touch every broken heart here this morning. Find every person in this room struggling. Find every abused heart, every rejected heart, every insecure heart. Would you find them by your grace? Holy Spirit, would you draw them to the cross? I'm asking you this morning do you know this amazing love? Or are you longing to feel accepted? feel chosen are you longing to know this grace maybe you're in this room today and you've never made a commitment to follow after Christ you've never given your life to Jesus and your heart is separated from God and you know it maybe at one time you had a relationship with God but things went awry somewhere on this path to heaven you hit a fork in the road you You faced an obstacle. You were knocked off balance. You were hurt. You were wounded. You were left behind. Maybe you've even felt like that God doesn't love you. God has disappointed you. God has not been there for you. I want you to know today that this God is waiting with open arms to love you and bless you with all spiritual blessings. Life may not always be fair, but God will bless you with all spiritual blessings. So if you're in this room today and you're not right with God, hear the call of His love. God, who is rich in mercy, wherewith He loved us, can bring us to life again. If you don't know Him today, I'm going to invite you to come to this altar here in just a moment. Won't you grab somebody's hand and say, hey, pray with me. I need to make things right with God. Christian, if you're in this room today, you just feel swallowed up. You feel like you're in the back of the line. You just feel like you're on the outside looking in. Your Father is inviting you in to His blessing. Would you come? Would you experience that grace? If you need a healing today, we believe in a God who heals. If you need a deliverance, we believe in a God who delivers. We believe in the power of prayer. So whatever you may need prayer for, if you want me to pray with you, I will. Or if you want to come to this altar and just pray. Let God lavish His mercy upon you. Let God lavish His love on you. Let God heal your heart today.